Thank you, Ryan. Well, this will not be a surprise to uh, many of you for me to tell you that uh, I'm old school. Part of that is because I'm old. And part of it is just I'm one of those guys that thinks the uh, the old better. The old days were better than today. Now, if, if you're old, say amen to that. <laughs> Quality is a thing of the past. They don't make them like they used to. Uh, just kind of wax nostalgic when I start thinking about these things. I we have a uh, hand mixer uh, that Sherry uses for baking. And it was given to her by her grandmother. It, it's a sunbeam handmaker that was made in the 1940s. The thing won't break. I, I keep telling you, can I buy you a new hand mixer? No, nope, it still works. So we've been using this for 42 years of marriage and her grandmother used it before us. Old stuff seems to last longer. The 75, 76 Cincinnati Reds. Best baseball team ever. Classic Beatles and Rolling Stones. Mm. Best rock and roll. The, <laughs> the Pittsburgh Steelers of the 1970s. The best. Scoops of ice cream the size of your fist. Candy bars that big enough to wrap your hands around. The quality of construction, sitcoms like Andy Griffith, Leave It to Beaver, Donna Reed, Mary was hot, now she's like 65 years old, 50, 57 Chevys, 64 SS, 55 T-Bird, the good old days, old school. Don't you wish we had those days back? All the young people are going, oh no, I should have stayed home today. Well, listen to what... Uh, uh, Jeremiah said in Jeremiah chapter 31, he said, the time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people, for I will forgive their wickedness. And will remember their sins no more. Jeremiah, instead of waxing poetic, waxing nostalgic about the good old days, says, you know what? The good old days weren't so good after all. And if we think about it, we know that's the truth as well. He said the good old days were not very good for the people of Israel. But he said there is something that the Lord is doing. And it's a new thing. And it's called the new covenant. I will give you something, declares the Lord, that will literally blow away the old covenant. Now, of course, the believers weren't buying it, just like some of you aren't buying it, right? The, the listeners, the children of God, the Israelites, both from Judah and Israel would say, yeah, right. You say the new covenant is better, but we're old school. I mean, give us Idols and scarecrows. Now there's something we can get our hands on. Give us leeks and onions from Egypt. Oh, those were the good old days. Give us an angry God who sees our unfaithfulness and threatens to crush us. Now that's what I'm really looking forward to. That's the good old days. We love old school God. Well, Jeremiah says, there's nothing wrong with old school God. The problem is not with God or not with his laws. 
The problem is with his people. So let's look at this. Today I want to contrast for you the old and the new. The old covenant and the new covenant. Uh, Jeremiah indicates that there is something on the horizon that is so new, so transforming, that will literally change the world and it will change individuals' lives. But first let's look at the old covenant. Because sometimes people, the Old Testament and the Old Covenant get a bad rap. They say, well, you know, that, that, that's not really the God that I serve. That's not really the God that I love. But remember, it's the same God, the Alpha and the Omega. Uh, the God of the Old Testament is the same God of the New Testament. So there must be some kind of an explanation for this Old Covenant, New Covenant. So let me talk to you about that for a few minutes. Now, we belong uh, in our denomination to the Evangelical Covenant Church. Now, there are other denominations that use the word covenant, especially Reformed denominations. But that's been kind of our uh, denominational name since, since 1885, when the Covenant Church organized in Chicago. And the reason the Swedes that were worshiping together decided to use the word covenant in their title is because they believed it was a relationship that they had with God. In other words, a covenant is a, a promise or a pledge or a testament. It's a promise. And this is what the early covenanters said. God, we promise you that we will do everything in our power to reach people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Okay, that's, that's our covenant. That's our pledge. And the early covenanters believed that. And now, you know, uh, you know, 150 years later, we're still believing that and we're still pressing into that. We are a covenant church. We have promised God that we will do everything in our power to reach one more for Jesus Christ. That's what Easter's about next week. That's why we're doing it at the school and not in this building. We're taking the gospel to the world. And uh, we believe that that's what God has ordained us to do. So the covenant has very personal meaning to us. But let me give you a biblical definition of covenant. Here's what it means. A biblical covenant is a binding relationship in which God promises to bless his people and his people promise to obey. It's a conditional covenant. God says, if you do this, I'll do that. If you obey me, then I will bless you. If you follow me, then I will be your husband and you will be my wife. And so there's that conditional covenant that God has with the children of Israel and today with the church of Jesus Christ, right? That conditional covenant. So the covenant's not a, a new concept in the Bible. In fact, there are a lot of covenants in the Old Testament. There's the Adamic or the covenant that God made with Adam. And that was a covenant that uh, I, a covenant of, of obedience and reward. God says, I will give you this amazing place to live, this Xanadu, this Eden, this place that you can't even begin to believe how wonderful it is. And it will be filled with with the fruit of the land and there will be food and shade and abundance and beauty and everything. Now, because of free will, God also planted this one tree, the, the knowledge of good and evil. He said, stay away from that one tree. The other 10,000 trees feel free to eat from and enjoy them, but stay away from that one tree. And of course, you know what Adam and Eve did. They said, you know what? I don't know that I want to do it God's way. I don't know that I, I want to, you know, God's pretty smart, but you know, I'm pretty smart too. And I, I think I'd really like to taste the fruit from that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So from the very beginning, God's covenant with man was broken 
by man. It was Adam and Eve. That, it, was, it was their disobedience to God that caused them to be cast out of the Garden of Eden. Then came the covenant with Noah, a covenant of safety. God says, you obey me in the future and I will not destroy the earth again with a flood. And we have a symbol. God gave us a symbol to remind us of that. That's what? Yeah, the rainbow. Right. So God says, now, don't read into that. Don't think that God doesn't have the right to squish us again if we disobey, because there's still stuff like fire and, you know, nuclear weapons and stuff like that. But God says, I I promise you that I'm not going to destroy you again with a flood. That was a covenant of safety. With Abraham, a covenant of destiny, of land and people. He said in Genesis 17, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you. He also promised Abraham that through Abraham's offspring, all the nations will be blessed. Every one of these covenants was a personal bond which God promised to bless them if his people obeyed. There's also another covenant that you've heard of, and that's the Mosaic Covenant. And that was a covenant of freedom, a covenant of deliverance. God says, I I promise you, if you're obedient to me, I promise you, I will deliver you from the hands of the Egyptians. Now, sometimes we take that covenant uh, as in the, and that out of that came the Ten Commandments. We take that covenant as, well, if, if we obey God, if we do the right things, if we jot down all the correct answers to the test, that somehow we will be saved. What we forget to realize is that the promise, the Mosaic Covenant, the Ten Commandments, came as a result of the children of Israel already having been delivered. They were already delivered. They were already redeemed from the Egyptians. Sometimes people think, well, if I obey the Ten Commandments, then I will be saved. They've missed out the entire point of the Old Covenant. The Old Covenant was to point the way towards God. But they were already redeemed. They were already delivered. The Ten Commandments was given so that they would be able to live in harmony with other human beings. So they wouldn't hurt themselves and they wouldn't hurt other people. That's why the Ten Commandments were given. Not to save you. You can't be saved by law. But they were given to you so that you will have a life. Now, God says this in Jeremiah 31, 32. The covenant I made with their forefathers, talking about Moses, when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt. For Jeremiah is referring to the Mosaic covenant and the promise that God gave on Mount Sinai. You know Mount Sinai. Uh, the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments were given and they were, uh, you know, God alone. No other gods before him. The Sabbath day, make sure you honor it. Honor your parents. The sanctity of human life, the sanctity of sexuality, all of these things were in the Ten Commandments. And again, this wasn't a way to be saved. This is a way to live our lives in a reasonable, civil way here on earth. How to live in the best way we possibly can on this little kingdom. There was only one problem with the Old Covenant. There's only one problem with the Old Testament. There's only one problem with the laws. And it's this. We don't keep them. Nothing wrong with the law. Perfectly legitimate. When God says, have no other gods before you, doesn't that make sense? When God says, honor your parents, doesn't that make sense? I mean, those are perfectly good laws. There's nothing wrong with the old covenant. People say, well, the old covenant was a a, a really mean, vicious God. No, it wasn't. The old covenant was God saying, why are you guys destroying yourselves by disobeying me? 
It was God asking the question through Jeremiah, why are you doing this? You're hurting yourself. You think you're in charge. You think you're in control. Why are you doing this? That was the old covenant. God says, there's got to be something that you need to understand. You have to understand that there is nothing wrong with my law. There's only the problem with this, that you are lawbreakers. You are covenant breakers. Uh, this last week, um, I talked to two individuals uh, in our church that had uh, tickets, uh, uh, traffic tickets this last week. Um, one of them I won't mention, um, but the other one I won't mention either. Uh, he's got strep throat. And uh, there's this, there's this, um, uh, and both of them, when they were telling me about the incidents, they said it was like, well, like there was something wrong with the law. There's <laughs> nothing wrong with the law. <laughs> nothing wrong with the law. Okay? We break the law. Sometimes we have the consequences of those law. That's what God was saying. There's absolutely nothing wrong with the law. We break it. Sometimes we break it literally. Let's take a look at this clip. Moses went to the mountain and God spoke unto him. Moses, this is the Lord thy God commanding you to obey my law. Do you hear me? Yes, I hear you, I hear you. A deaf man could hear you. <laughs> what? Nothing, I punished you. Forget it. Oh, Lord, why have you chosen me? What would you have me do for you? I shall give you my laws, and you shall take them unto the people. Yes, Lord! <laughs> Lord, I shall give these laws unto thy people. Hear me. Oh, hear me. Oh, pay heed. The Lord, the Lord Jehovah, has given unto you these fifteen. Ten. Ten commandments for all to obey. I love that clip because it is so us. He didn't want 15 commandments. We don't want 10. You know, you know, Lord, how about if I obey six of them? Isn't that close enough? You know, isn't that going to kind of do it for you? The problem is not the law. The problem is that we're lawbreakers. The problem is not the covenant, the old covenant. It was God's way of saying, you know what? You need to live together and live in harmony. Don't hurt yourselves and don't hurt others. It's not, there's nothing wrong with the law. It's the fact that we just don't keep it. The history of the Israelites, and by the way, the history of Duane and each and every one of us here today is idolatry, immorality, discontent, and disobedience. God said in Jeremiah, they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them. Jeremiah said of the Lord, God said, I'm still your husband. I, I, I've kept my promise, but you as a wife have become estranged. You have broke my covenant. Here's the truth about the old covenant. God says, you do this and I'll do that perfectly legitimate transaction. The problem is we never keep our end of the bargain. We never keep the truth of the old covenant, the truth of the Old Testament. We see this happen in marriage all the time. Uh, you stand up before the pastor, or the justice of the peace, and you say things like, um, you know, for better, for worse, for richer, for poor, as long as we both shall live. 
But how many times have we seen one individual or both break that covenant, break that promise? And how many people does that? There's nothing wrong with the marriage ceremony. There's nothing wrong with the marriage covenant. The problem is we're covenant breakers. We're doing a series starting on April 28th called I Do, I Don't, I Will, I Won't. And we're going to talk about relationships and about marriage and about how that God desires to be married to us. He is the bridegroom. We are the bride. And Jeremiah said Israel fell out of love and committed spiritual adultery. In chapter 2, he says, on every high hill, under every spreading tree. My bride broke the covenant and the promise with God. Here's the, the real shocker, however. If every sin is an act of covenant breaking, then every sinner is a covenant breaker. Every time we sin, we are being unfaithful in our marriage to God. You see, please hear this. There is absolutely nothing wrong with the law. There's nothing wrong with the Ten Commandments. There's nothing wrong with the Old Covenant. The problem is that we are covenant breakers. And our failure is what keeps us in the state of disorder and disconnection from our God. The Bible says clearly in Romans six twenty three, the first part of it, for the wages of sin is death. How can we argue with that? God is the creator of all the universe. He said, here's some basic laws I want you to follow, some things that will keep you from hurting each other and hurting yourself. And I need you to do that because if you don't do that, it's going to lead to death. And if you break those laws, it's always going to lead to death. And I I love you too much. I don't want that to happen. And so he gives the laws and we break them and we break them. And there there we are. There is nothing wrong with the old covenant. There's uh, somebody told me uh, after the first service that um, there was um, they have a neighbor that has put the Ten Commandments uh, on their lawn. Okay, and that's fine. You know, that's good. I'm not sure what that means or what that represents, but in terms of, but say, put the Ten Commandments on there, but then the yard is a mess. Weeds are growing and junk all over the yard and everything. You know what? You know what? If you're going to do something like that, think it through, right? Please, please. Because you're given kind of a, a double standard. Here's the truth of that. That guy, as much as he wants to believe in the Ten Commandments, he's a lawbreaker. He's a covenant breaker. No perfect people allowed, our sign says, and we know it's true because it's us. There is nothing wrong with the old covenant. Jeremiah said it this way. Instead, everyone will die for his own sin. Whoever eats sour grapes, his own teeth will be set on edge. Don't complain to God that the wages of sin is death. Don't complain that, that it's too hard or it's, it's too difficult. God says, here's the promise I've made. Here's the covenant I've made with you. You do your part, I'll do my part. And we constantly break God's heart as we break his laws and his promises. That's the old covenant. Again, please hear this. Nothing wrong with it. If God had wanted to, he could have walked away and said, okay, I gave you a chance to follow the, the old law, but you blew it. So, okay, the wages of sin is death. But along comes the new covenant and the second part of Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. In other words, the new covenant says, okay, you didn't keep the law. That was the promise we made. But now I'm going to change the, I'm going to change the, the whole paradigm. 
Okay, even if you don't keep the law, I'm still going to love you. Even if you don't keep the covenant, I'm still going to love you. The covenant still needs to be obeyed, and I'll show you how we're going to do that. But even if you don't do that, that's how much I love you. That's how much God loves each and every one of us. So Jeremiah is the only place in the Old Testament where this phrase, new covenant, is used. Used a lot in the New Testament. But the only, fr- the only time in the Old Testament the word old covenant is used. Now, to get an idea of what he was saying, it was something radical. Uh, when he said the new covenant, what Jeremiah was doing, he was looking forward to the cross. He maybe not didn't have it all clear in his mind, but as a prophet of God, he knew the heart of God. He knew that God's heart was to love his people. And even though we disappointed him and broke his covenant, God still wanted to find a way to to have a relationship with us, even though we failed. And so he's kind of looking towards this new day when instead of all the many sacrifices of animals and all the sacrificial system, all of those things were looking to the day when there was that one perfect, eternal sacrifice. Jesus Christ died for the sins of the world, not a ram or a goat or a bull or something like that in the Old Testament. All of those things were looking towards that one perfect sacrifice. God says, I know you can't keep the covenant. You've proven that time and time again. But let me tell you, even though you haven't kept the covenant, I still love you. And I'm going to provide one who will keep the covenant. I'm going to provide one who does keep the promise. In fact, I don't know anybody else in the universe can do that. So I'm going to do it myself. God says, I'm going to go to the planet. I'm going to become a man. And I'm going to die on the cross for your sins. That's the new covenant. It's the New Testament. Now, in the new covenant, there are many promises. And uh, I just want to uh, share three of, three of them with you today. Uh, at, our, um, at our picnic, our, our, our family night that we had a couple weeks ago at Tumbleweed on a Wednesday night, uh, I talked to the folks for a few minutes and I talked to them from a wonderful passage that is Paul's words from Second Corinthians. This isn't up on the screen. I just thought of this this morning. Second Corinthians 1, 19 and 20. And what that says is that if you take all the promises of God and all the promises of Jesus and all the things that Jesus promised to you and to me, even though we're covenant breakers, you take all the promises of Jesus and every one of them. Here's the response. Yes. And amen. Jesus loves you that much. Well, yeah, I'm a lawbreaker, but Jesus is not. And he's your Lord and Savior. My answer to you, my answer to your sin is I still love you. Yes. And amen. So I want to share with you three parts of the new covenant. And they're beautiful. The first one is this. The new covenant holds the promise of reconciliation. And that promise, remember, in Jesus, all promises are what? Say it out loud. Yes. And amen. Okay, you need some practice. All promises are what? Yes and amen. That's better. Listen to Jeremiah 31, 31. The time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. He's talking about reconciliation. You see what happens when we break God's law? We break our relationship with God. God says, you do this, I'll do that. God says, okay, I'm doing it. You're not. That literally breaks. It shatters the relationship that we have with God. So I want to show you something I borrowed from Pastor Brian. It's not easy to find wooden baseball bats these days. Most of them are titanium or aluminum. But Pastor Brian had a wooden baseball bat. 
So uh, this, you, you know, again, in the, except in the major leagues, you don't see these very often. But this one is a good, solid cedar, not maple, baseball bat. So it's really good quality. And you can see he even put tape around it. So when he's playing fungo with the kids, you know, it doesn't wear the bat out. So this is a good baseball bat. Let me tell you what the word uh, broken in this context means. And when I talk about broken, I'm not only talking about Jeremiah 31, but also Ephesians 2. When God says that our relationship with God has been broken. Okay. So how many of you are old enough to remember in the 1980s an athlete by the name of Bo Jackson? Okay. Okay. So those of you who are younger, you probably still heard there was commercials that was called Bo Knows. And uh, Bo Knows This, Bo Knows That. And so the first one to ever do this after Bo Jackson, he was playing for the Kansas City Royals in 1985. He struck out. And he was so angry, he took the bat, and what did he do? He popped it over his knee. And br- first time that ever happened. Now you see it fairly regularly. Um, but uh, that was the first guy to ever do that. And everybody's watching that on television. Wow. So, you want to see me do that? Yeah, right. I break my knee. Okay. And uh, plus, it's Brian's bat. Thank God it's not my bat. I might have to actually do it. But um, the, here's the deal. When you break that bat, you can visualize it in your head. There are two pieces... And they're all shattered and torn literally apart. All the little shards of wood are pulled apart. And it's not a matter of just kind of gluing it back together, is it? It's completely uh, it needs to be intertwined again somehow. And the word for broken in both Jeremiah and Ephesians is the fact that it is so irreparably damaged, it cannot be fixed. You could not fix a bat that has been broken like that. It is irreparable. You cannot fix it. But here's what God promised. He said, in Jesus Christ, I promise you that I will not, I won't, I won't fix the old thing, that old you that's so broken and such a covenant breaker. I won't fix the old you, but I, here's what I will do. I will give you a brand new heart. Brand new. And I will meld that, and that relationship with God and you will be stronger than ever. Even before you broke it. It'll be stronger than ever. I will weave God's life into your life. There will be this relationship of intimacy, this relationship of a, that, that is like a husband and a wife. It'll be so intimate, so beautiful. It will be brand new and it will never again be broken. Isn't that beautiful? Instead of the old covenant, something's broken, it's broken for good. The new covenant, it's reconciled. It's literally fused back together. This is amazing to me. Listen to what he says in the 50th chapter. We haven't gotten there yet in our study, but chapter 50, verses 4 and 5. In those days, Jeremiah writes, at that time, declares the Lord, the people of Israel and the people of Judah together will go in tears to seek the Lord their God. There's that spirit of repentance. God, I've failed you. I've broken your law one too many times. Seek the Lord. They will go in tears to seek the Lord their God. They will ask the way to Zion. And turn their faces toward it. They will come and bind themselves to the Lord in an everlasting covenant that will not be forgotten. This new covenant means that you will be so fused together with God that it will be a brand new covenant and it will not be forgotten. God says, I know nothing wrong with the Old Testament. Nothing wrong with the Old Covenant. It's just that we can't keep it and we don't keep it. That's not the problem. The problem is, how are we going to have a relationship with God when we've broken it? And he says, I will do this. 
And I will do this through my son, Jesus Christ, who will reconcile himself to you. And that brings us to, uh, in fact, uh, it brings us to the next uh, part of this new covenant, what God uh, brings to us. And it's this, the new covenant is a promise of regeneration. It's a promise of reconciliation. He will take two broken things and he'll put that back together so it's stronger than ever and it will not be broken. But also the new covenant is a promise of regeneration. Now, regeneration, the word means literally, biblically, and if you look up in the dictionary, is that you bring something that was dead back to life. You bring something that was dead back to life. People in the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament, that broke God's laws, they were dead. They were dead spiritually, and ultimately they were dead physically. They were dead. God promises with the New Covenant, that's not good enough for me. God said, I am not willing. Please hear this. There's only three times in the Bible where it says God is not willing about something, or he is willing or not willing about something. He says, I am not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I know you deserve death because you've broken the law. You've broken the covenant. But I can't stand for that. I know it doesn't make a very good covenant because you've broken, I haven't. But I promise you, I will give you new life. This is what it says in Jeremiah 31, 33. This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel. After that time, declares the Lord, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. No longer is the law of God going to be something outside of us. You know, you saw in the clip with, uh, that's so funny, uh, with Mel Brooks, that God was speaking from up above. You know, and he says, oh, of course I can hear you. Anybody could hear you, you know. And, and, and there's voice. From, and so God was up above and he was giving orders and directions down below. And he has every right to do that. He's God and we're not. And we also, but God says in the new world, in the new covenant, in this new relationship I have with you, I'm not going to just put law on you. I'm going to put this, the, not only the law, but the obedience to the law in you. Jesus Christ. Christ in me, the hope of glory. So not only does the law not come down from above, but the law is now placed in us so we know that, okay, the law is a good thing. I still feel bad that I can't keep it and I try, but I can't. I I do the list and I can't quite do it. But not only is the law in me, but listen to this, but the law keeper is in me. The covenant keeper is in me. And so God looks at me and he sees Jesus and he sees me as holy And he sees me as clean and he sees me as pure and he sees me as someone who desires to serve him and love him and have this relationship with him. It's all brand new. Instead of coming from above, it comes from within. Now, there's uh, every time we have um, uh, one of the school shootings, most recently in Connecticut, the Sandy Hook Elementary School. There's a whole new round of talk around gun control. And I don't really care what you believe about gun control or not. That's not my point here. I mean, everybody has their opinion. But, but here's, here's the real truth of that kind of situation. If we do have new and better gun control laws, okay, if we do that, they'll be written on stone. They'll be written on stone. Here's, here's what needs to happen. Not better laws. The law's already good. Don't kill each other. It's pretty simple, right? Pretty clear. You don't need gun laws. Don't kill. But here's the deal. Those laws need to be written on. Those laws need to be written on the heart of Adam Monza, the kid that did the shooting. The, those law of God needs to be written on the hearts of people that have broken the law. Now, this is brand new. 
God's law coming in the Old Testament came down from above. Again, nothing wrong with the law. Now it's God himself coming into our hearts and living and dwelling there. But not just not just living there, living there as a covenant keeper, as a law keeper. God looks at us through Jesus and he says, yes, you are a covenant keeper. Thomas Akempis in the fourth century, 14th century, excuse me, uh, said it this way. This is beautiful. Write your blessed name, O Lord, upon my heart. There to remain so indelibly engraved that no prosperity or adversity shall ever remove me from your love. O Yesu, my only Savior, write your blessed name, O Lord, upon my heart. Isn't that beautiful? Instead of the law coming down from Mount Sinai and literally and figuratively, we break them all the time. God says, let me write that law in your heart. But more than that, let me not just write the law in your heart. Let me give you the law keeper in your heart. Isn't that a beautiful gift? Jesus said it this way in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus said, the law says, the Ten Commandments says, don't kill each other. Okay, again, it's pretty reasonable. You know, when you think about that, most of us in this room, that's not a law that we struggle with too much. Some of the others, a little bit. So, you know, you know, honor only one God. Yeah, sometimes we have trouble with that. But the, the one about killing somebody else. Yeah, we're pretty good with that. The reason we're good with that law is because we kept it pretty well. Jesus came along and said, wait a second, you're missing the point. It's not about just keeping the law that comes from above. It's about the spirit of the law, not just the letter of the law. It's not about what's written on stone, but what's written in your heart. Here's what Jesus said. I don't want you not to just not kill people. It's a double, double negative. I, I, I don't want you just to keep from killing somebody. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to love them. What? Somebody, somebody I want to kill. Now, I can't kill them. In addition to that, I can't even hate them. Isn't that kind of okay? You know, just kind of at least hate them a little bit. They deserve to be killed, in my opinion. Can I just hate them a little? Jesus said, no, you're missing the whole point. The law out here says don't kill because you're trying to survive in society. The law in here says, no, you love your enemy. Wow. That's a, that's a game changer. That's a world changer. That's a, that's a big kingdom idea. And we're trying to squeeze that in the little kingdom. It's really hard to do. Love your enemy. But God says everything is different with this new covenant. You don't have to do this on your own. You don't have to do your checklist anymore because the one who keeps the covenant, the one who keeps the law is already in you. Christ in me, the hope of glory. I love that. We are called to do much, much more than just keep the law. Can't do that. But God has given us the law in his son, Jesus Christ. There's one last thing that a promise. And to each of these promises, we can say yes and amen. The last one is this. The new covenant is eternal. How deep and how wide, how eternal is his love for us. Listen to these verses. I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. Exodus 6, 7. My beloved is mine and I am his. Song of Solomon 2, 16. I will say to those called not my people, you are my people. And they will say, you are my God. The Old Testament rightly declares, you break, you break the law. You break the promise. And I'll cast you away. Cast you away. We can't argue with that. It's right. It's fair. But the new covenant 
is not about do's and don'ts. It's about a love relationship with God that is intimate and real. It's not about keeping the law, but about the law keeper living within us. In Jeremiah 31 to 35 to 37, 31, those verses 35 to 37, I want you to spend some time with those this week in your study or in your grow group, just really looking at those verses. Because the Lord is saying in a, in a very poetic way, these, this kind of thing. He said, let me tell you, after all this, understanding the old covenant, you broke it, you're a promise breaker. New covenant, Jesus Christ comes in. He's a promise keeper. You're seen. After all of that, God says, let me tell you when I'm going to stop loving you. Okay, so you, your ears kind of perk up. I thought Pastor Dwayne just said he's not going to stop loving us. God says, let me tell you when I'm going to stop loving you. Let me tell you when I'm going to stop gracing you. Let me tell you when I'm going to stop keeping my promises to you. He said it this way. He said, I'm going to stop loving you when the heavens can be measured by man. <laughs> How soon is that going to be? You know, we think we're so smart. Do you know what? I have a fair idea that we haven't, scientists haven't even begun to scratch the surface of how big our universe is. We say, well, it's 100 million light years in diameter. And then we discover something else that's 2 billion light years away. And we say, wow. God says, I'll stop loving you as soon as the mind of man can understand the expanse of the universe. God says, I'll stop loving you and being committed to you when the foundations of the earth below can be searched out by man. You know, we still don't know the bottom of some of the oceans of the world. The new covenant is as likely to fail as the entire universe is grind to a halt. God will no more forget his people than humanity will unravel all the mysteries of interstellar space. It's just not going to happen. The new covenant is an eternal promise from a God who said, I will take you as my people and I will be your God. See there what's in that sentence? There's no conditional covenant. It's unconditional. And it's because of God's love for you. I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. Brothers and sisters in Christ, this works for one reason and one reason alone. Again, please don't ever say, well, the old covenant is passe. The Old Testament is passe. We don't have to pay attention to that. We need to pay attention very clearly to that, recognizing that our own shortfall, not the shortfall of the law, the shortfall is that I am a covenant breaker. But God comes along and says, I'm not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. See, the problem is not the old covenant. Here's the deal. The new covenant comes along and says, well, we can't really keep the law, but there is one who did. And his name is Jesus. The covenant keeping of Jesus Christ counts for you and counts for me. We say that again. The covenant keeping of Jesus Christ counts for you and it counts for me. In other words, the new covenant is not an agreement between God and us because we always fail. Rather, the new covenant is a blood bond between God the Father and God the Son on our behalf. Jesus Christ makes and keeps the covenant for us because we are in Christ and he is in us.
To that we say yes and amen. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Lord, you're not going to get any argument for us about being lawbreakers. No matter how hard I try, no matter how hard I twist my strong will into position to do the right thing, I always fail. But thanks be to God, there is the one who never fails. There is the one who lives within me, who says, I have kept the law in perfect harmony. And when God looks at my heart and he looks at my life, he sees me through the beloved son of God, Jesus Christ, the only covenant, the only covenant of truth and grace. So this morning, Lord, I just believe that there are some here maybe that this is a message that touches their heart because maybe they've tried to always do the right thing and try to please you and No matter how many times they fail, they feel frustrated and alone. But here, the good news is that Christ kept the covenant and he desires to not only be in this world, but he desires to be in our lives, to forgive us of our sins, to grant us freedom, to be our Lord and Savior, and to give us the gift of eternal life. All of that is found in Christ as Christ is in us. And so this morning, Father, I pray that if there are those here this morning who have not made that commitment to you, that they would pray that prayer today. And I would just invite you, if, if you've never given your heart to Jesus, if you've never allowed the covenant keeper to come in and be your late Lord and your Savior, you can do that right now, in this moment. And I'm going to ask you to pray after me, not out loud, but in the quietness of your own heart, a prayer, something like this. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I break the law, God's law and every other law. I know that no matter how hard I try, I can't seem to do the things that I want to do. And so I confess that I'm a sinner. I confess that I'm a lawbreaker, a covenant breaker. And I invite Jesus, the one who is perfect, into my life to be my Lord and my Savior. And as I receive this gift of life from Jesus... I also receive the gift of righteousness, his righteousness as my own, so that when God sees me, he sees me as his beautiful, beloved son, his beautiful, precious daughter. He sees us through the blood of Jesus. Thank you for being my Lord and my Savior. Now with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if you prayed that prayer this morning, I would love to pray for you. As your pastor, I'm going to ask you if you will just to raise your hand. And as you raise your hand, look at me just for a brief moment so that I can pray for you as we look around. Yes, God bless you. Anyone else? Yes, God bless you. Bless you. Anyone else? Father, all of us know the pain of being covenant breakers. But you have given us the joy of Jesus alive in us. And Father, for these who have raised their hands this morning to say yes to God, I pray that you would help them to begin a new journey of faith that will be transformative. They'll never be the same. They'll be precious children of God, and we thank you. And Lord, I'm also excited and and looking forward to next Sunday when we celebrate Easter. And 
Lord, I'm praying that that all of us will do our very best to bring people that don't know you, people that are far from you to come and hear the good news of God's love. Father, we thank you that because of Jesus, we are covenant keepers. And we thank you that we are your children. Bless those, Father, who by faith have trusted you this morning. And bless all of us as we live faithfully this new covenant that you have given to us within us. We pray in Jesus' name. And all of God's people together said, Amen. Amen. Thank you so much.